You are listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast. This podcast has been created to help you connect and achieve your destiny as a leader. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org. Praise God. Well, you may be seated. I'd like to say to you again, I'm sure glad that you're here. It was good to see you this morning. More have come in since I saw you this morning. I don't I haven't seen any of the figures and all as far as uh, who all came. Let me ask you a few questions if you don't mind uh, responding to me. How many of you are pastors? Can I see your hand? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight pastors. Praise God. How about associate pastors? Associate pastors? Uh, how many of you are on a church staff? You're, you know, you're employed on a church staff. Praise the Lord. Well, that's good to know. One other question. How many of you from out of state? Glory. <laughs> that's what I wanted to know. Praise God. We really believe that God has given us something that will be very profitable. And we're learning how to cultivate it and get the maximum out of it. And if you haven't received just exactly what you're looking for this first day, just hold on. Bless God, we we got more to come. And uh, I believe that we'll touch an area and meet a need in your life and ministry before this week is out. And we will have the air conditioning before the week's out too. And uh, we've got the new air conditioner in. They just like one valve. And uh, I think they got it run down. It's a matter of getting it in here. And I told them if we have to get somebody in a plane and go get it, we'll do it. That's how determined I am. You know what I mean? If i got to go lease a jet, uh, I'm at that point. So uh, I don't believe it'll come to that point. But still, uh, we want it comfortable. If you realize what great help we do have around here, We've only been in this facility for one week, and they they built this auditorium in ten days. Ten days, and that last day, I tell you, we had two hundred people in here working, and you talk about a, a a sight to see. I watched them run from job to job. I'm talking about literally, and uh, the sound men worked till forty five minutes before the service started. That Sunday morning, they worked all night long to get it in. That's the kind of wonderful people that we have at this fellowship. We are blessed. Now, I'll say this to you. <clears throat> if uh, I didn't look up the exact scripture, seem the best of my memory, it's Second uh, Chronicles 22.15, or First Chronicles, I guess it is, 22.15. It's talking about building the temple. And it's talking about giving you able workmen, cunning in all their crafts. I began to confess that before I ever started this fellowship. God spoke to me in November of 77. And I began to make that confession concerning this fellowship that I would have able workmen, cunning in all their crafts, that I would never lack for workers. And uh, I want you to know we've always had workers and good workers, qualified people, intelligent people. In fact, I have a certain philosophy. I believe in hiring people smarter than me, and uh, I tell them I'm just smart enough to hire them. 
And that's, you know, that, that's good enough within itself. And so God has given us some wonderful people, and uh, it's, it's well worthwhile to surround yourself with the right kind of people. And keep that in your thinking. The people that come to help you look for certain characteristics. But right now, tonight, we want to share with you along a certain line in uh, finding your place in the ministry. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to kind of take my time and just touch for things. And I've got certain things, certain points. I've got three basic points that I want to get across. But also, by the same token, I want to make sure that I meet the need, the question that's arising in people's minds concerning this subject. When we say finding your place in the ministry, you understand this, that anybody that's in the body of Christ is in the ministry. God hath given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. All right? Are you following me? In 2 Corinthians 5, you're going to find that that is an established fact that every believer has the ministry of reconciliation. Now, the avenue are the methods are the tools that a man might use to reconcile people can have a wide spectrum to it, a broad base. It can come in all kinds of forms as to how he would minister reconciliation to someone. And that reconciliation means in every sense of the word, restoring them back to Christ, restoring them to health. Uh, you know, it, it goes in a, in a broad sense there. It, it covers the spiritual, the social, uh, the mental, the physical, the financial, see? And so when we speak of it in that sense, everybody has a ministry. Now, when we speak of ministers, then we come on to a point to where the Bible would look at it and, and, and view it in a sense, well, some would call them elders. Others would say the fivefold ministry gift, and any of those would be correct, okay? And uh, you, can, you can use that, and if y'all don't mind, I'm going to get down here where I can see the whites of your eyes. And uh, in, in ministering... Uh, we, we normally recognize the fivefold ministry gift. That's how we normally categorize what a minister is, okay? But we want to keep it on a broad enough base so that you understand that in Ephesians 4, where it talks about this, and the fivefold ministry gifts are listed there, uh, it is a functional thing that God has set in the church for a purpose, and the 12th verse tells you that purpose of what they're set there for. Yet in 1 Corinthians 12, you've got the gifts of the Spirit in the first part of 1 Corinthians 12, but you come down to the end of the chapter, and along about verse 28, uh, he's in the process of naming some things, okay? And he starts out just like he does there in Ephesians. Apostles, prophets, see? But then he makes a diversion and goes to some other terms there. And yet they're still established by the Spirit of God, called by the Spirit of God, and set to function in the body of Christ. So they can still be in the sense not necessarily what we call the fivefold ministry gift, and yet they're still called of God, and can use be used of the Holy Ghost in that. And they can function supernaturally because everything God does is in a supernatural basis. So therefore, it doesn't matter. A man can function in the office of helps in an area like that and operate it in the supernatural sense and be very effective and powerful for God if he'll open himself up to the supernatural, okay? By the power of God, by the Holy Ghost, and every spirit-filled believer should be keen to the things of God to begin to effectively minister, okay? When we say minister, we mean serve, okay? See, a lot of people, that's where submission has always had kind of a wrong turn and, and been a little frustrating for a lot of people because people saw submission as a dictatorship, you know, that somebody submitted to another one who had the rule and the to say, and I don't mind saying to you, because God has set me in church as a pastor, I have an authority there, 
and it doesn't matter whether an individual wants to recognize it or not, I still got it. Are you following what I'm saying? Because it's established by God. Now, it will do them well to recognize it and bless them if they would, okay? But the choice is still there because God doesn't force people. He doesn't violate their conscience, and we're going to come to that in a little bit too, okay? So, so to minister is to serve. So as a pastor, even the fivefold ministry gift, what is their function? And that is to serve the people to minister life to them, to build them up, to edify them, to encourage them. And that's what Ephesians 4 says. Okay? You serve them, you build them up, you encourage them, and there's all kinds of ways of doing that. You can do it with a word. You can do it with prayer. You can do it with kind deeds. You can do it by speaking good words. There's all kinds of ways to minister to them. All right? So how do you find your place of ministry? How do you come along and locate yourself? Where do you begin? How do you get started? Because now, if you, if you grew up like I did, see, the reason I ran from the ministry, from the fivefold ministry gift for years was because nobody ever told me God sent the church teachers. See, my concept of being in the ministry was, you know, was being what I call a hoop and holler preacher. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm subject to hoop and holler, okay? But I can't do it like some of them do, you know what I mean? Just take off running, you know, and holler. And what I call a hoot and holler preacher is that guy who yells at the top of his voice, flails his arms, and spits cotton all at the same time. And, uh, you know, that was repulsive to me. I couldn't just do that. Now, I get under the annoying, and I'll do anything, all right? But I couldn't just get up and go like that. Yet I always had that gift to teach. See, even as a boy, as an 11-year-old boy, I taught my mother how to swim, because once I learned how to swim, I could teach it. Anything I learned, I could teach. That was a gift that was inside me, Okay? called of God, and yet recognize that to go ahead and minister that way, I ran from the ministry and wouldn't enter in because I didn't have knowledge concerning the Word. And remember this, you can't go beyond your knowledge. And it was a great day when I heard Kenneth Hagin say God set in the church teachers and prophets, okay? Because that brought with it a knowing, a faith, a confidence, and a trust that I could begin to minister in that area. Well, I ran from it, didn't want to be in it. Yet, to find your place in the ministry, understand, and, and let me give you a couple of scriptures that are, that are vital and important. Look in Psalm 127. Psalm 127. This should be one you should be familiar with. Verse 1. And it says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Now, by that verse of Scripture, you can establish right now, unless God's in it, it ain't worth two bits. Okay? So whatever you do, whatever you put your hand to, unless God's in it, it's going to be vanity. It'll all be in vain. So the first thing that you want to establish in finding your place is God in it. Is God in it? Now, in determining whether God's in it, there are several aspects involved. You've got baby Christians who are just beginning, just starting. They couldn't tell you whether God was in it or not. They wouldn't know, you know. They're born again, they're alive unto God, but as far as having their minds renewed, you know what I mean, and having their human spirit developed and trained to even hear, you know, uh, the voice of the Holy Spirit inside them, you know what I mean? They don't have that developed and they're not keen there. So what are they going to use as a guide? Well, actually, the Word of God, okay? Well, what does the Word of God say? In Ecclesiastes 9.10, it says, Do 
whatever is at hand to do. Do whatever is at hand to do. How is that baby Christian going to begin? How are they going to grow? How are they going to develop? How are they going to get into it? By doing what's at hand to do. That's the first step for them. Okay? By doing what's at hand to do. Now, to help you understand certain areas, in this day and age, a lot of people don't realize that we operate under certain principles. We operate under a lot of them unconsciously. In other words, it's not a conscious effort that, we're, that we recognize and say we're going to function this way. But there is such a thing, and I have a series on authority which goes into greater detail, but I just want to share one aspect of it tonight. There are types and levels of authority. Okay? One of the type of authority which people are operating under all the time is what we call functional authority. Functional authority. In other words, wherever they're gifted, wherever they function at, they've got some authority in it. Now, that authority comes one of three ways. By birth, by training, or by importation. Okay? That authority. Now, let's take it, for example, Doyle just got through ministering to us on the piano and did a marvelous job. All right? How many of you recognize that when that guy sits down at the piano, he's got an authority? Are you following that? All right. Now then, he got that authority one of three ways, either by birth, by training, or by importation. Doyle's is by birth and then just working at it afterwards. In other words, it's a natural thing to him. Okay? I've, I've been around a number of musicians who can't even read music, and yet when they sit down at that piano, oh, glory, hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? They begin to play, and there's an anointing there, and there is an authority there when they play simply because of what they have by birth. Okay? Yet, I have seen other people I know another young lady right now that plays the organ, that couldn't play any instrument, didn't have anything by birth, never was taught, never had any training whatsoever, and yet the Lord woke her up in the middle of the night and taught her how to play. And when that gal plays, you know she got something. She has an authority when she sits down to play that came by importation. The Spirit of God imparted unto her an ability to function there, okay? Yet I've met other people who had no, what we say, ear training. They didn't have a natural thing to them to where they could hear the piano and all, but yet they had trained through lessons and through study and practice, and they became diligent, that they became very authoritative in their playing. Are you still with me? Yeah. Now, this is where we get functional authority. It comes one of three ways, by birth, by training, or by importation. Now, each one of them carries an authority, okay? Now, where do they function the best? Where they're gifted, where that's developed, okay? Now, I haven't deviated from my subject. I'm still talking about how do you find your place, okay? Because you begin to do what's at hand to do, what can you function in? What can you do? What are your abilities? And it doesn't matter if you can just, if you're good with a hammer, then that's where you start. That's how you'll begin to find your place, okay? You'll find your place by doing what's at hand to do and functioning with what abilities you've got. 
Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to use myself as an illustration in several areas, you know, because I know more about me than I do anybody else, okay? And you make the application and see how that I got into certain areas by doing what was at hand to do and following after this functional authority. All right? Now, I believe by birth the gift to teach was there by birth. Okay? I believe it was there by birth. Yet when it came to other things, they weren't, you know, there were some things I had to, I developed or I was trained in. And in business, that happened to be one of them. Okay? Now, there was one aspect of business when it came to mathematics that I had by birth, and yet other aspects came by training. For example, uh, by birth, one of the things that I had that my daddy had that I believe, you know, was just something that I had by birth was I can add, a, I, I say I can't, I, I could. I haven't used it that much, you know, because I'm, I'm not involved in that much business like that anymore. But when I managed Dairy Queens, I used to take a column of figures and add it in my head faster than they could add it on the ad machine. You know what I mean? I'd just go down the figures and I'd have it just like that. I've got my own way of figuring mathematics, you know, that, you know what I mean? I couldn't sit down probably and explain it, but somebody can give me a problem and I can tell them the answer, but I can't tell you how I got it. Are you following what I'm saying? There's a thing there, and I can function there, let me tell you. I, I used to blow people away, but I, I could come up with figures faster than they could even, you know, even get them in. Now, don't tell me that I can't function in that area. I have an authority there, okay? I, that came by birth. Yet when it comes to business deals and all, I had to train there, I had to study there, I had to read books there until there were certain principles in all of business that were given to me by training. I had one thing by birth, another thing by training. Well, is that working for me today? Is that helping me to help others? Oh, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Okay? See, I'm still, I found my place in the ministry today because of functional authority. All right? That was part of helping me find my place in ministry. Now then, You'll have to understand, have you ever seen a young man get turned on to the things of God and have more zeal than knowledge? That was me. You know, just, just loaded. You don't mind if I get comfortable, do you? And uh, thanks, Mike. Appreciate it, brother. I, uh, I had a lot of zeal, but not much knowledge concerning spiritual things, okay? And having a lot of zeal... Man, you, you, you know, you want to do something for God. Glory to God, let me at it, you know, because you're born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, and talking in tongues every day, and you don't want to waste no time. Everybody else is messing around, you know. If you, if you met this kind of character before, that was me, all right? And so there I was, man, I was eat up with zeal. I went to my pastor. You know, I mean, he's, he's the one that's responsible. He's in the place of authority. I go to him. I said, Brother Wood, I want to do something for God. I want to do something for God. He said, well, all right, do something for God. I said, let me mow the yard. He said, I got somebody. I said, well, you know, I'd had a yard business. I said, let me clean the church. I'd had a, had a cleaning business. He said, I got somebody. You know, well, man, where I could function, there wasn't anything. You follow what I'm saying? I mean, disappointment. Because that was the only place that I could have faith in. Now, let me stop and deviate for just a moment and give you a section of scripture to look at. 1 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 7. And if you'll read that, a lot of people miss a real truth there, okay? And the real truth that comes to light is, in verse 1, he's talking about a certain kind of knowledge. All right? 
He says, we know that all men have knowledge. Isn't that right? All men have knowledge. And you come on down to verse 7, and he asks a question. And he says, how be it there is not in every man that knowledge? Okay? In one place he's saying all knowledge. All men have knowledge. How be it there is not in every man that knowledge? So what's he getting at? There's two kinds of knowledge. All right? You know as well as I do, every man has knowledge. You know, I mean, uh, the, the Greek word there is gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S-S. And it just simply means a natural general sense knowledge. Okay? And as long as a man has one or more of the five senses, he's got a degree of knowledge. Now, depending upon those five senses, how well he's cultivated those five senses, he'll have more knowledge depending upon how he's cultivated those. And see, there's not anything wrong with the five senses you've got. You need to use that. See, a lot of people come along, and, you know, we talk about living by faith and not by our senses. You know, well, let me tell you something. You live by both. Okay? One is, just keep them in the right realm. Don't misuse them at the wrong time. I'll give you this illustration. You get ready to cross the street out there tonight, and you see a Greyhound truck coming, and a bus coming. You know, you better believe what your eyeballs are telling you. <laughs> you follow me? See, that's the time to be using those senses. All right? I mean, you stand there and say, I'm a man of faith, I'm a man of faith. You're going to be a flattened out man of faith. Okay? Don't, don't, don't get out on senses. There is a time and a place for your senses. All right? Those senses produce knowledge. Amen. See? Knowledge does what? Knowledge brings faith. So then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word. That word produced a knowing. And they had a faith as a result of it. All right? The five senses produces a faith. Are you following me? The five senses produces a faith. Now, it's a matter of using them at the right place at the right time. And when you realize that you're functioning by two kinds of faith, and it's all right to function by natural sense faith as long as it's not in violation to the Word of God. You still with me? It's fine to use what your senses are telling you as long as it's not contrary to the Word of God. I'll put it this way. I remember one time I was on the way to New Mexico for a meeting, and I was looking forward to getting some Mexican food. You know? I mean, you know, it's different there than it is here, you know? And it's got a certain flavor to it, man. I mean, I had, you know, I'd been tasting it for miles, you know, just dreaming about it in my mind. And, you know, I think I just barely got inside the state line, found the first restaurant I saw, you know, that said they had enchiladas and what have you. You know, and man, I'm all excited. I go in there and I take that first bite and it tastes funny. But I go ahead and ignore it and eat the whole thing. And two hours later, I wish to God <laughs> that I had paid attention to my senses. Are you following me? Amen. I had to repent for stupidity before I could get my healing. God gave you those taste buds for a purpose. Okay? Now, the senses will produce a faith. The senses bring you a knowledge, and that natural knowledge produces a faith. And there's not anything wrong with that faith as long as it's not contrary to the Word of God, because the Word of God produces a faith. Now, you're going to operate in that whether you think so or not. You don't care whether you think you are or not, you're still going to operate in it. See? I mean, how many of you have found a verse of Scripture which says, Thou, thou that chair shall hold thee up? 
It don't. You saw somebody else sit down in it. Your sight told you. That's a good chair. Go ahead and park. Are you following me? And you operated. Faith came to you by your senses. Right? So you're going to function under that kind of faith. And no matter whether you think you are or not, you are. It's a matter of determining when and where. Okay? Now, how are you going to function? Now, see, I'd had a yard business. I knew I could do that. Okay? I'd had a cleaning business. I knew I could do that. But I could, you know, he said, I got that. Man, I'm frustrated. I've got, you know what I mean? How else can I look in faith? I don't have enough faith in the spirit realm, you know, to believe that I can do anything else. I don't have enough word inside me, you know what I mean, that's produced another kind of faith. So I'm frustrated now. How am I going to find my place? And then he said to me, See, he thought of something that I hadn't thought of. Again, we're talking about functional authority. Okay? He said, I'll tell you what I want you to do. I said, what? He said, start a choir. I said, oh. <laughs> now, what was the deal? All he'd ever heard me do was sing specials and sing with a, a quartet, the trio. Now, what he knew was I couldn't read music. Okay? But I had a thing by birth where I could hear the parts. I could hear the harmony. I couldn't tell you what note it was. I couldn't tell you how to get there. But I knew I could hear the part. Now, how am I going to find my place in the ministry? He's telling me, my pastor is telling me, go start a choir. You know? And you know what that did? Him being a man of God, when he said go start a choir, I thought, well, he knows what he's talking about. He's a man of God. He hears from heaven. If he says start a choir, I'd start a choir. Faith came. Are you following me? Faith came. And I thought to myself, well, I hear the parts anyway. So what do you do when you go into choir practice? Teach people the parts when you don't, can't read music. It's very interesting. You pray a lot. You rely on the Holy Spirit. Yet I'm working to find my place in the ministry. Okay? Now what's this going to do? This is going to bring an atmosphere of worship to the congregation. It's going to cause the power of God to come into manifestation. It's going to move me in to where God wants me. I'm finding my place in the ministry. So I go in. I pray. I fast before choir practice. We get in choir practice. I lead them in prayer. And I say, you stay open to God. And you know what happens? The gifts of the Spirit start to operate in choir practice. Kids start coming. Their friends start coming because it's such an exciting time at choir practice. Kids start coming and start getting saved at choir practice. Get filled with the Holy Ghost at choir practice. Now, them good choir practices. <laughs> So, oh, brother, I just wish I had that. You do. Whatever you've got begin to function there. Do what's at hand to do, and it will lead you on. All in this? Okay. How do we find our place in the ministry? By doing what's at hand to do, operating in the area where we can function, whether it's by the natural or by the spiritual. How do we function? Either by birth, by training, by importations, how we function there. So, you say, what does that do? It causes me, because I get myself, because I know I have to trust God, I get in and study the Word. And when the gifts of the Spirit start to operate, I'll guarantee you, I don't know enough about them, so I start studying on the gifts of the Spirit. I mean, I start getting every book I can get, reading everything on it, because it's happening. i got to know what's going on. Are you following me? So, 
faith begins to come in my heart concerning the gifts because I'm in the Word as what's the result of because I was functioning over here. Are you staying with this? All right, that got me digging in the Word in that area. I begin to work on the area of the gifts of the Spirit and study and pray. Then when it comes to choir practice, I want to make sure it stays in line. I get to flowing with it. I come into a faith, a knowledge, and a knowing. And now, even this day, God uses me in the gifts of the Spirit as a result because I started a choir and started functioning in an area. And there are people, in many instances, looking to me to have an understanding concerning the spiritual gifts. And it all began because I did what was at hand to do. And it triggered certain things. It, it, understand this, there is what we call a law of action and reaction. Of course, some of you want to call it the law of sowing and reaping. But you'll find that that law is governed by a simple principle. As a man purposeth in his heart. As a man purposeth in his heart. Whatever you purpose to do. Now, see, by what you purpose to do, you can take an action, but by different purposes produce a different reaction. Let's take if you took a, a pebble and you got out there to a lake and just kind of threw it out like that, and that, that pebble hit the water, it kind of let a little ripple go out. But you purpose in your heart to make a big wave. Bless God, you can get you a big rock and wear it back and throw it in there, and it'll make a big wave, won't it? Same action, wasn't it? Different purpose of heart. The Lord showed me that there are many things that you do in a day-by-day -day basis that produces a different reaction because of what you purpose in your heart. Because when you purpose in your heart, you'll do what's necessary to get that kind of result. If you want to make a little ripple, you'll throw a little pebble and just barely toss it. You want to make a big splash, you'll get you a big rock and throw her in with all your mind. It all had to do with what you purpose in your heart. Okay? And see, a lot of people haven't understood. Well, I can't understand why greater results didn't come. It's because you stand back there going, hmm. And that law is going to work. It's a law of action and reaction. You take action, it brings a reaction. I took action by acting upon what my pastor said. It brought a reaction. The gifts of the Spirit came into operation. That brought another reaction, me to get in and study. When I got in and studied, that brought another reaction. I came with a knowledge and a faith concerning the gifts of the Spirit to a greater hunger. Follow me? By doing what was at hand to do. That started finding, helping me find my place of ministry. How did I fit? How, did, how could I work? It began simply. Well, can you see by that, as a result, now see, that's helping. Now let me give you an illustration as why that became so important. Because I obeyed what my pastor said, begin to function there, because he recognized that functional authority that I had the ear. Okay? He recognized that I was gifted there. Then the power of God began to get so predominant in choir that the church began to recognize something's happening. Those those young folks are getting stirred up. And I, I'll never forget, it brought this reaction one night that we had sung. And one of the boys that I had sung in this trio with at one time, he had a beautiful high tenor voice. And he had sung this old song, some of you remember it, I'll meet you in the morning. And when he did, my goosebumps had goosebumps. You know what I mean? I mean, he just had an anointing. It just sent a chill all through you. And we walked off, off the platform, and it was a platform like this. And it had two sections, you know, a center aisle, and then, you know, the two outside aisles with the two sections of seats. And we walked off the platform into a side room over here. And we're taking our robes off, hanging them up. 
And all of a sudden, love welled up in my heart. And I looked over at him and I said, Bob, man, I sure do love you. And it got so quiet you could have heard a pin drop. And it rose like a crescendo rises in music. Praise began. I'll never forget one little Methodist girl was just there visiting her friends and so she'd gone up in the choir with her. And when it got real quiet like that, she reached up and got a hold of her hand, you know. And when her hands went up like that, when her hands got by where her mouth was, she started talking in tongues. <laughs> the power of God moved in on the scene. It became such a, a roar at that time and praise began to usher forth so strong that it was louder than what was going on out in the service. Well, now, you see, I, 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 right then, I, I knew right then, God's not the author of confusion, Okay. Man, I tore in that side door, and Brother Wood was sitting up there. Somebody was making some announcements, you know, and they could hear everybody praising God. Trickling when I opened the door and ran in and closed it. And I went over to him, and I tapped him on the knee. I said, Brother Wood, Brother Wood. I said, something happened in there, and I didn't start it. <laughs> you know, I want to make sure he knew. I wasn't going to tear anything up, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm there to help. He looked at me and grinned. He said, I know it, I know it. Bring it on out here. And boy, that presented a problem. You know, have you ever thought, how do you get a hold of the Holy Ghost? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a little hard to go in there and pick him up. <laughs> See? Now, what did all this start from? By doing what was at hand to do. Now, what is helps? Is serving. What is ministry, period? Serving. Reconciling. We've all been given the ministry. Okay? There I was. So I went back in. Now again, remember, see, faith cometh by hearing. And that doesn't matter whether you're talking about natural faith or spiritual faith. Okay? My pastor said, bring it on out here. If he said bring it on out here, that meant there had to be a way to bring it out there. Now I didn't know how. I walked back in that room pondering that in my mind. How am I going to get that in there, out there? And I went back in that room thinking about that. And I walked in there looking and I didn't, I, I, my mind was just blank. You know, I couldn't think of a thing. And I looked over at one of the boys standing by the door where we went out. His name was Jimmy D. And Jimmy D had his eyes closed and his hand raised and he was just talking in tongues and singing in tongues. And it was just him and Jesus. You know what I mean? He didn't know anybody else was around. He was doing his thing with the Lord. And he was standing there by the door so I just walked over, opened the door and Nudged him out. Well, he's full of that, which his pastor said, bring it out there. Seemed reasonable to me. God's my witness. And a number of people, at least 300 people there that night. Jimmy D walked with his eyes closed down that aisle, went all the way to the back, come around the back, come back down the center aisle, about three rows from the back, reached in, tapped the boy on the shoulder like that. Kid jumped up, ran to the altar, was saved, filled the spirit time he hit the altar. Kids began to fall out of the choir room, just going toward their friends, you know, and they'd jump and run to the altar. Finally, they'd just see him start coming toward them. They'd just jump and run. They knew they had it anyway. Before you could stop it that night, there was four saved, 13 filled with the spirit, and revival was on. It all began because I did what was at hand to do. Functioning in an area of where I had some authority. Whether it be by birth, by training, or by importation, that was where I could function. See, it's not until you act upon the things like that that triggers the other things. That law of action will bring a reaction. How do you find your place in the ministry? By doing what's at hand to do. Knowing that God is in it. 
is important. One thing about it, my pastor said do it. As far as I was concerned, that meant God was in it. Now, after I got older and more developed in the things of the Lord, I could tell by the witness of the Spirit of God whether God was in it or not. But at that time, my pastor was my safety. Are you following that? If you want to call it covering, I don't care what you want to call it. It was a safety factor for me because I didn't know. And I had to have the care and the keeping of somebody who did know. I could trust him. Why? Because he loved me. Perfect love cast out fear. Okay? So that's how you begin to find your place in ministry, by doing what's at hand to do. You will be able to function in a place of authority by looking at what you are gifted with. There will be things, as you're faithful in the things that you recognize now, God will bring more to you. He'll give you more training. He'll impart things to you. I don't mind telling you, I'm functioning as a pastor now. But if you'd asked me five years ago, four years ago, three years ago, I'd have told you to take a flying leap because I couldn't function there. I didn't have that ability. But in November of 1977, the Lord spoke to me while I was in Saginaw, Michigan. He said, go back to Tulsa, start a family church, charismatic teaching center, reach the world. Right at that moment, it was though as he opened me up and dropped it right down in there. And I knew I could do it. I just knew I could do it. You couldn't talk me out of it. It wouldn't matter what you said. I knew I could do it. Now, there's been times since then I didn't want to do it. <laughs> Are you following me? I've gotten so tired. It's disgusted on some occasions. I want to check it to them. You know? But that's where the flesh gets involved. As far as knowing the ability, I know I got the ability. And I'm not talking about the arm of the flesh. I just know what God said to me. I got a faith down inside me and I'm functioning there. Are we making sense to you at all? How do you find your place? It begins simply by finding, by doing what's at hand to do. Well, how does it go on? How do you go? Have you ever noticed that there in the book of Acts, if you read in the first part of Acts, you'll find that Paul refers to himself, uh, not refers to himself, Luke wrote it, but he's referred to as a teacher. Going over a little further and he calls him, you know, he's called a prophet. Get a little further over the book of Acts and he's called an apostle. He grew and changed in his calling as he was faithful in the others. Many, many ministries today are in the five-fold ministry gift because they were faithful in the little things at what was at hand to do. Norval Hayes was in Helps Ministries for seven years. Jerry Savell was only there three years. I was in it for 12 years. At one time I thought, my God, what's wrong with me? You know, some of these dudes take off and shoot off like a rocket and here you sit. I questioned it, I don't mind telling you, you know, my Lord, what's wrong with me? Because I was training for this day. I was getting the training that was necessary to make me functional this day. To have a school of 
to teach others how to enter into it. You're going to find that the majority of all ministries will begin in helps by doing what's at hand to do. It goes back to a basic principle. If you can't be faithful in the little things, God cannot make you ruler over the bigger. How many of you know that's in the Word? If you can't be faithful in the little things, if God can't trust you to always go in there and clean the commode or hammer on that wall, he ain't going to trust his children to you. Don't you ever think he will. I mean, when Jesus gave his blood and his very life is all, you think he's going to play games with those sheep? You've got another thought coming. You don't know the nature of our Father. If you think that he's going to allow just anybody and everybody to come along and beat them over the head and have any kind of authority over them, no. If you won't be faithful to those things, you won't be faithful to those people. If you can't clean that commode, you sure can't clean up some of these babies. They're both nasty and both stink. <laughs> Crude, but you got the point. <laughs> and there's a different parallel. If you can't be faithful in those things, don't expect for one moment, God, you're going to have to begin to do what's at hand to do. Now, depending upon what God has for you in the future, God will run you through different areas of training. Because I'm in the helps ministry, and, I, and ministry, and I'll never get away from it. See, I thought when God called me to pastor, thank God I'd lay that aside. Psh, that's been one more fantasy. Because I'm still helping. See, out of this church, there's been 32 churches started. That doesn't count the pastors we placed in places. That doesn't count how many children's department heads we have in churches. See, about the time we get somebody trained here, off they go. And I remember one of Brother Hagin's frustrations. I was one of the first ones that ever stayed with him in a period of time. You know, you just, you know, I mean, man, you put all your efforts and your love and your help into them. About the time you get them about where they're doing you some good, you know, there they go. You know, that can be frustrating. But if you get the right attitude and the right perspective, bless God, if you're building the kingdom and not your kingdom, then it's different. We'll be training people here till Jesus comes. There'll be more people taking advantage of the people that's been cultivated in this fellowship. And I'll rejoice in it. I mean, I'll shout glory all the way. Yeah. No. Why? Because that's what I'm called to do, and that's where I'm functioning. <coughs> now, in this kind of school, see, Mike does all the work. You know? These guys, they do everything. You name it. They let me show up every now and then. That's about all. As Bob said to you this afternoon, you know, I mean, I, I was the one that had the vision. And then God called me in to put it together and gave me able workmen to function there. But see, those years that I was training, now stop and think, I went to Minnesota as music youth director of a church, couldn't read music. You know. And working with youth. Well, what did I have going for me there? I like kids. 
That's about it. And yet I worked and was diligent and faithful to him. And, and right now, one of my youth ministers, Nick Hengels, his wife was one of the girls when she was nine years old was in my choir in Minnesota in my youth group. And I still get to enjoy that fruit. Um, I got a couple of men in my church that were in my young people's group in Minnesota years ago. Still enjoying the benefits, see, of what I labored back then. You have been listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast, where our focus is to help you achieve your destiny as a leader. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org.